chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps, or CRSWNP, affects all races and ethnicities, but certain groups have experienced greater social or economic barriers to diagnosis and treatment. The goal of the Moving Toward Equity podcast series is to raise awareness of the challenges, strategies, and resources for moving the needle toward equitable immunology care for all patients and practitioners in all communities. Welcome to the podcast series from the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm Jerry Lee, and this is the second of our three-part series entitled Moving Toward Equity, Disparities in Chronic Rhinosinusitis with Nasal Polyps, or CRSWNP. In this episode, we will discuss the impact of air pollution environment on CRSWNP and how this disproportionately affects minority and underserved populations. To start, let's hear again from Deanna, a young woman with CRS with nasal polyps, who describes how the environment affects her health. Do you have any concern about the environment where you live or where you work, where you can't be sort of protected from some of the things that make your sinus problems worse? Yes, I'm allergic to like grass, dust, cats and dogs and stuff just like in a normal life. So basically, if you're going outside the trees, the grass, I can get irritated really fast or have allergic reaction out of nowhere. Being around any kind of dust or certain kind of perfume and it's a lot of things that trigger so it's like me going anywhere basically can trigger it. Do you have any concerns of your home environment where you live? Some people do have indoor triggers as well. I stay in the city so it's more cluttered so it's more grass and it's a lot of stuff around here so yeah it's a lot of trigger where I actually live. But like how about inside your place? I don't know if you live in a house or apartment and what's the condition of that? I have carpet, which that triggers it too, but it's a whole lot with getting the carpet pulled up. I have carpet. I had a dog. I had to get rid of my dog because of my allergies were so out of control. I try to keep it clean where it's not so dusty, so I don't have so many flare-ups. But again, with the weather changing and I can have my heat on and I have to keep it cool so I can actually breathe while I don't trigger my asthma, stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of common indoor triggers in the city. Is any of those relevant to you? Those would be like water damage or mold or pests like cockroach or mouse. Has that ever been a concern for you? It was like the mice because we in the area where I guess they say that the rats are out of control. So at first it was that, but every now and then might be like a spider or a cockroach or something. I don't pretty much think nothing about mold. I don't think we have any mold. Well, that I can't see but it could be in the walls or anything or under the carpet, which could trigger it. But that's about it. We do have every now and then a lot of spiders or bugs or cockroach that comes out every now and then. So, yeah, that's the trigger. Yeah, and a lot of people discuss about inner city environments and pollution from cars and trucks or that sort of thing. How would you characterize where you live in the city? Is that something that you think the air quality of where you live is a concern? I notice if I go certain places, I don't trigger as fast. So in my neighborhood, I don't know if it's just like around here or you go outside, it smells different or the air is just different. So yeah, I think around where I stay is a big trigger. If I was to go out of town or something, I don't have so much flare-ups that I do that I do at home. Patients like Deanna are concerned that the environment is a trigger for their CRS with nasal polyps. So let's hear again from our expert panel to continue the discussion. Joining me 
are Dr. Maha Madhavinia and Dr. Ni Kaswani. Dr. Madhavinia is a physician scientist and associate professor of medicine pediatrics at Rush University Medical Center. She is a board-certified allergist immunologist with a background in immunology of allergic diseases and a PhD in molecular immunology. She runs an academic clinical practice in both adult and pediatric allergy while leading a clinical translational research team on food allergy and chronic rhinosinusitis. In addition to being the research director of the Rush Center for Sinusitis, Asthma, and Allergies, Dr. Madhavinia is involved in several national and international collaborative studies. Dr. Kiswani is an Associate Professor of Medicine and the Division Director for Allergy Immunology at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Her clinical research interests are in optimizing care for patients with chronic rhinosinusitis, as well as the effects of climate change on respiratory health. Thank you very much, doctors, for joining us. Thank you, King. Thanks for having us. Okay, wonderful. Well, we'll start with you again. Dr. Kuzwani, in the last episode, you mentioned that environmental exposures explain some of the differences in chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps among different groups. To set the stage for this podcast, could you describe these exposures felt to be responsible? What are they and what are some of the sources? When considering social determinants of healthcare disparities, the role of the environment, particularly air pollution, can be a particular importance for inflammatory respiratory diseases, such as chronic sinusitis with nasal polyps. The sinonasal epithelium can be the first direct contact between the respiratory system and an environmental exposure, such as particulate matter, which is labeled by size as PM10, or coarse particulate matter, PM2.5, or fine particulate matter, and PM0.1, or ultrafine particulate matter as well as the gaseous air pollutants, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, and ground-level ozone. These air pollutants arise from both natural as well as human-based activities, such as traffic exhaust, industrial sectors, and power plants. And air pollutants exist in a mixture of all these substances, which can have a cumulative effect on the airway's response. So air pollutants seem to be a major factor in chronic rhinositis, with nasal polyps, but Dr. Madhavinia, why are certain populations disproportionately affected by pollutants? Well, this is definitely multidimensional. If you think of the populations living in inner city areas exposed to more car exhaust, those living in neighborhoods close to factories that pollute the air, or neighborhoods that are in areas inside valleys that air doesn't get to move, are areas that people are more prone to pollution. In general, there's an index called Area Deprivation Index, which is a very validated marker of deprived neighborhoods and lower socioeconomic conditions. And ADI is strongly linked to air pollution. As you can see, unfortunately, most of this is all linked to poverty. So again, the most vulnerable people being affected by poor socioeconomic conditions are living in polluted areas. So, Dr. Kazwani, these groups are more exposed to pollution. What is the exact mechanism where pollutant exposure actually increases the severity or burden of chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps? Air pollution, specifically PM2.5 or fine particulate matter, has been demonstrated to drive a type 2 inflammatory response, which may be responsible for some cases of nasal polyps. PM2.5 
ozone, and nitrogen dioxide can all augment type 2 and type 17 immune responses and alter T regulatory cell expression. And pivotal studies have demonstrated that these air pollutants can act as adjuvants to promote allergic sensitization as well as eosinophilic airway inflammation as they drive an increase in allergen-specific IgE as well as increased Th2 cytokines, IL-4, IL-5, and IL-13. And when we translate these basic science concepts to clinical studies, there have been studies that evaluate the relationship between air pollutant exposure and the effects of CRS with nasal polyps. And they found that air pollution exposure exacerbated nasal polyp severity as determined by worse symptom scores and greater radiographic burden of disease. Researchers have also found that particulate matter could be a risk for the eosinophilic endotype in patients with CRS with nasal polyps and that increased ozone exposure has been associated with the presence of eosinophilic aggregates in CRS with nasal polyps. So we see a higher clinical severity of CRS with nasal polyps that we think is stemming from the shift to a type 2 inflammation from air pollution exposure. Okay, so there does seem to be a lot of research showing the relationship between pollution and the severity of nasal polyposis, but in terms of underserved populations, have they shown those associations? Do we know much about the burden of patients who live in high pollutant areas and clinical outcomes? What sort of studies have examined this, Dr. Madhavinia? Unfortunately, there are very few studies that actually have tried to answer this question, but there are a couple. So our group, in collaboration with another large center, showed that the increased exposure to common air pollutant, and specifically looking at PM2.5, was linked to poor outcome in CRS. And again, there was a strong effect on race because those neighborhoods were mainly populated by African-American and partially Latino patients. And these studies have shown that air pollution affects the allergic inflammation, as Dr. Kespani explained very well. And it causes increased eosinophilia in the nasal polyp of these patients who were living in a more polluted neighborhood. And we were able to show that the pollution impact also the microbiome of the nose by decreasing the good bacteria such as Corinobacterium in the nose. And therefore, it sort of took away that helpful effect of the microbes and caused more problems. And these are a couple of examples of the studies that show that when you look at patients living in those neighborhoods, there is a direct exposure to a higher level of air pollutant that causes more serious and poor outcomes. Okay, well, it's pretty clear then that environmental exposure plays a large role in the disease, and therefore it's probably our duty or responsibility in the care of the nasopal patient to address these exposures. So what can individual clinicians do to address some of these exposures and help clinical outcomes? Dr. Kaswani, we could start with you. I think about addressing air pollution at three societal levels, and I think clinicians can have an impact at all three. So at the national, the community, and the individual level. So national and state government policies to reduce the amount of fuel burned for electricity generation, industrial production, and transportation, as well as policies that set limits on air pollutant and greenhouse gas emissions are really essential to reduce air pollution. Community-scale measures such as protecting green space and expanding access for safe walking and bicycling can also encourage changes needed to reduce emissions and to help individuals avoid exposure. Individual behavioral change can be helpful in avoiding exposure to poor air quality. For example, staying indoors, wearing high-quality masks, 
and investing in effective home air filtration systems can reduce exposures. So clinicians have an important role in both advocating for these health protective government and community actions, as well as counseling individual patients on strategies to reduce their exposure. There seems to be so many challenges, especially that's going to require governmental or community-based measures. But Dr. Madhavinia, as physicians, as members of medical societies, what do you think our role is individually or in terms of medical society membership that we also do to advocate for our patients? So certainly medical societies can try as they have been to increase awareness. However, we need to partner better with regulatory agencies to hopefully prevent poor outcome in the most vulnerable populations. All right. Well, thank you both for your thoughts on this. And that's all the time we have. But this concludes part two of our three-part series on moving toward equity, disparities in chronic rhinositis with nasal polyps from the ACAI. Please be sure to join us for the last episode where we really talk about access to care for nasal polyposis. We're going to summarize some of the resources we discuss at our website. That's education.acaai.org slash disparities. And we do have two other episodes on atopic dermatitis and immune deficiency disparities. That's on our main channel at college.acaai.org slash allergy talk. My name is Jerry Lee. I'm speaking for the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening.